You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on allhabs.net, brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens. Hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. All right, hi everybody. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast, episode 189 here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Christian. I'll be your host today. Today is Saturday, April 30th, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host for segment number one. You've heard him here before on a weekly basis. It's Michael Spinella. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing really good. I'm uh, very happy to be filling in uh, for Rick Stevens on this segment. Uh, obviously, it's the end of the season for uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, they're packing up the locker room. There's all sorts of interviews going on this morning. So I've decided that uh, we should let Rick uh, have some time to go through, uh, listen to everything. And uh, I'm yeah, I'm happy to be here to fill in. Yeah, and Rick will be back for segment number two. And I know he, it was uh, it's tax deadline day coming on Monday as well, Monday, May 2nd. So he might be doing his taxes uh, to come in, but we'll give him a, a couple of more minutes to be able to uh, to finish those up and file them in. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, Michael, it's uh, it was locker cleanup day today on Saturday this morning. And as I've mentioned before, the Canadians offseason coming up, well, probably more exciting than the Canadian season was the whole 82-game season. I think the best part of the season is actually coming up starting now and going forward up to uh, September. So in today's episode, we'll have highlights from Locker Room Cleanup Day uh, in segment number two. We heard from Kent Hughes. We heard from uh, Martin Saint-Louis. We heard from Carey Price. We heard from Jeff Petrie. So there's lots of uh, highlights coming up in the next segment. We'll also have update from the Laval Rocket. They're in a they're in a playoff spot, like we mentioned last week, and they're finishing up their regular season tonight in Syracuse. And we'll also have an update on the Trois Rivières Lions in the ECHL. They're in the middle of their playoff uh, playoff matchup against the Newfoundland Groundlers. So we'll, we'll give an update on that, and obviously lots and lots more to come on today's episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. But first, let's uh, review uh, the game since last week's episode. And 
for all these games, there was comprehensive post-game reviews at allhabs.net. So for complete details, make sure you, you go to the website and you'll be able to get uh, complete game recaps for every single one of these games. It started off, the Canadians were at the Canadian Tire Centre on Saturday to face the Senators. Ottawa scored four times in the second period, including three goals in the minute seven to go on and win 6-4. to four. Rem Pitlick scored twice. Cole Caulfield scored his 20th, and he became the first Montreal rookie since Chris Higgins in 05-06 to score 20 in the first season. And Joel Edmondson was Montreal's other goal scorer. Yeah, the big headline coming into that game was uh, Gallagher versus Stutzla. Uh, this was the first time the two teams met since Gallagher's uh, post-game comments in regards to, I guess, calling out uh, Tim Stutzla on some diving. And uh, it was a bit of a distraction going into this game. Uh, one thing I definitely noticed is these two teams definitely hate each other. It was quite physical. And I'll also point out that uh, although the Habs did lose 6-4, to four, uh, they actually led the shots category uh, 48 to 26. And it seemed uh, even after the game, uh, Martin Saint-Louis had that, that second period, those that a minute seven stretch is what cost the team game, but he was really happy with the other 58 minutes of play. Uh, the Bruins visited the Bell Centre the following night, and they took a 2 nothing lead through 20 minutes, including a controversial penalty shot goal by Eric Halla. Boston ended up with the uh, 5-3 win. Josh Anderson, Mike Hoffman, and Nick Suzuki scored for the Habs. And the loss extended the losing streak to nine consecutive regulation losses, which tied a franchise record from 1939-1940. So that's a good um, a pub quiz question to uh, knowledge to have in mind. <laughs> Oof. Well, this uh, was also a game uh, in which uh, we had a Guy Lafleur tribute at uh, the Bell Center. Um, there was an 11-minute standing ovation uh, for Guy, uh, plenty of Guy chants throughout that as well. So that was really nice to see. And uh, also in this game, uh, the shots were 42-26 to 26 for Boston. So I guess uh, the reverse Uno card on uh, shots. <laughs> and and it was a great tribute to, uh, to Guy Lafleur uh, before puck drop. It was very... Very emotional, and as we expected it to um, to be organized by the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and nice uh, original six uh, matchup as well. So that was a nice little cherry on top. Uh, the Canadiens were at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday for the final road game of the season. Uh, the Rangers had rested several of their starters as their playoff seating was, you know, was pretty much secured. It was three three tied in the final minute of regulation when Jeff Petrie scored his second of the game to give Montreal the 4-3 win. And Petrie became uh, the first Montreal defenseman since Andre Markov in October 2006 to score a go-ahead game-winning goal in the final minutes of regulation. Ryan Paling and Mike Hoffman, Mike Hoffman again, scored Montreal's two other goals. Yep, so the losing streak comes to an end. Overall, very entertaining game. And unfortunately, this is a game where Montreal did clinch the 32nd spot in the NHL. They're the first team to clinch 32nd place. Another great record for the Canadians. They've beaten all, all the all the records you, you don't want them to break in this season. But Exactly. <laughs> um, and then the Panthers were in town on Friday, and they did not dress many of the regulars as Florida had already clinched the President's Trophy, so there was absolutely nothing at stake for the Panthers. 
and the Canadians took advantage of it and dominated the entire 60 minutes and won 10 to 2. So that's right, 10 goals scored by the Canadians. And I'm going to take a deep breath here to list all the Canadians' goal scorers from uh, from Friday. So Caulfield, he recorded his first career hat-trick. Jordan Harris scored his first career NHL goal. Mike Hoffman, again. Brandon Gallagher, Mathieu Perrault, Jake Evans, Christian Dvorak, and Tyler Pitlick were the uh, other scorers for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, Carey Price's 700 start uh, in the NHL. Also, uh, Ben Sherratt for the Florida Panthers did get two points, a goal and an assist, but it was not enough. Uh, I think the entire Montreal Canadiens roster took over and stole the show, scoring 10 goals, which is a great accomplishment despite the fact that Florida was resting a lot of their top players. And Carey Price gave me like a, a pretty spectacular glove save on uh, Ben Sherratt during, uh, during the game last night. So with that, that concluded the Canadiens' regular season. They finished with a record of 22-49-11, and, and like we mentioned, 32nd place in the NHL. The Canadiens will have an 18.5% chance of winning the draft lottery, but that, there's a 25.5% chance of drafting first place overall, and that's because if a team ranked between 12th and 16th wins the draft lottery, well, they can't climb up more than 10 spots, so that's what increases the Canadiens' uh, opportunities to um, to to make the first overall pick and 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 Michael, it was it seemed like this season for the Canadians, like the whole eighty-two game stretch, it seemed like it was so long. Yep, uh, it was a long, very painful season. No shortage of drama. Um, I never thought that there would be so many storylines about a team in last place, uh, especially coming out of a year where they made it to the Stanley Cup final and lost. I know that some people were not expecting them to be able to repeat that, but I don't think anyone was expecting them to end up dead last in the NHL. And, well, the the bright spot on it is that this offseason will be, like I said, very, very busy from the Montreal Canadiens side, and we'll talk about that more, I would say, in the segment number two when we're reviewing the uh, locker room cleanup day. Yeah, I'll also point out that uh, in the draft, I don't believe they can... Uh, uh, pick any, uh, I guess, lower than uh, the third pick. So they'll be picking between one and three for sure. In um, in roster news, Emil Heinemann, he continues to skate on his own and he's been working one-on-one with uh, Adam Nicholas, the director of hockey development that was hired uh, earlier this season as he recovers from injury. And, well, if he gets healthy on time and gets clearance on time, he, he's eligible to join the Laval Rocket for the playoffs. Yes, uh, Emil Heinemann is the prospect that came back to uh, Montreal in the Tyler Toffoli trade to Calgary. Uh, earlier this season, he signed an ELC, but uh, after he arrived in uh, Montreal from Europe, uh, he was injured, so he's not been able to play any games yet. So looking forward to hopefully seeing him in the playoffs, and uh, he's, a, he's a prospect to keep an eye on going into next year. And another Austin news, Carey Price, uh, when, like we mentioned in the last week's episode, he was given a break and listed day-to-day, and the Canadians had recalled Caden Primo. Well, when the Canadians headed to New York, Carey Price traveled with the team in order to visit his surgeon in New York City. And while we never definitely got um, any specific results of what that visit uh, resulted into, 
Uh, Carey Price ended up making uh, starting on the Friday against the Panthers and made 37 saves to record his first win of the season. And Michael, even Price recording his first win of the season, considering the year that he's gone through, it's it's quite a milestone milestone to achieve. Absolutely. Uh, everybody knows already uh, Carey Price has had, I guess, a difficult year for many various reasons. And uh, it was nice to see him be able to get back and play, even though it wasn't until April, the end of the season, in which he was able to do that. And even though the team was at a dead last, I think it's quite the accomplishment that uh, he made that comeback. And on top of that, uh, ending the season on a high note, getting that uh, tend to do to victory so big congrats to Kerry Price and uh, hopefully he's okay and I- I'd like to see him next year in Montreal so yeah and and Kerry Price spoke to the media on Saturday part of locker cleanup so we'll, we'll, we'll myself and Rick will dive uh, we'll do a deeper dive on that in the next uh, segment time now to move to the Canadians prospect report this edition of the rocket report is brought to you by ahl.report your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. We're going to begin with the Laval Rocket in the AHL and the Rocket. They were in Syracuse on Saturday to face the Crunch. Uh, Joel Teasdale, he opened a scoring three minutes into the game and he went downhill after that as Syracuse scored the next five goals and go on to win 5-1 against uh, Laval. The Rocket returned home to play a pair of games against the Toronto Marley starting on Wednesday. It was back and forth scoring in this game. Laval took a 2-0 lead before Toronto tied it. Then both teams exchanged goals and Toronto had a 4-3 lead through 40 minutes when Rafael Harvey Pinard tied the score 4-4 early in the third period. Overtime was needed, and it took Toronto three minutes and three seconds to score the winning goal in overtime to get the 5-4 win. It was a back-and-forth game on Thursday again, as the Marlies had a 4-3 lead when Brandon Gignac scored a tying goal with eight minutes remaining in regulation, and it was a beautiful goal as well to force the game to head into overtime. In the fourth minute of the overtime period, Alex Belzil, playing his 300th career game as a pro, scored a winning goal to snap Laval's four-game losing streak with a 5-4 win. And Michael, on Thursday, you were with me at the game in uh, the press box. What were your thoughts on the game? Very, very exciting game. Uh, that was a game in which I had the duty of covering uh, the game report on uh, Report. so everybody should uh, head over there and check that out. Uh, there was no shortage of things to talk about back and forth the whole game. I think Laval went down by one goal at two different points, but they battled back. Uh, they brought it to overtime, and uh, that Brendan Gignac goal that tied the game, that was actually shared uh, on all of uh, the NHL social media, so you know it was a highlight reel when uh, an AHL goal ends up on uh, NHL social media, and uh, it was a nice way to close it out, uh, getting that win in overtime, so that will help them in the standings quite a bit. Uh, they, they won't be falling down any further. And uh, Chris, it, it was nice to see you in person there. Uh, I appreciated uh, you taking me around uh, to see all the facilities at uh, Place Bell. It's a beautiful arena. Um, the crowd there is amazing. Uh, I, 
I don't know, watching uh, Montreal and Laval crowds on uh, TV, it, you always kind of think to yourself, well, maybe they're a bit annoying, but no, high energy. I loved it. I love uh, the crowd at uh, Place Bell on uh, Thursday night and uh, really cool experience being in the press box. Uh, really nice view. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit and uh, yeah. And it was a sold-out crowd on Thursday at Place Bell, so it was really like the full experience of, of that arena, and it's a very nice arena. I've been going uh, to watch the Laval Rocket games there, I, I guess, except for last year because they're playing at the Bell Center, but this, for three seasons now at Place Bell, and it's just a great arena to watch hockey. Great crowd, great crowd always gets into it, and it's always uh, hard-working um, teams as well. Uh, and you... Uh, joining me in the press box, like it was the second game that we watched together. The the game on uh, Thursday, you know, part of uh, growing our credentialed reporters in part of our Rocket Sports team, like that. You know, we're we're expanding our coverage uh, as well for all our readers, listeners, or for all of our content across uh, all our platforms. Yeah, you definitely have a different perspective when you're, uh, I guess, going in as a credentialed reporter and uh, watching it from the press box. Uh, it's less about fandom and more just covering good hockey. And uh, I, I think that's uh, it's one of the things that we uh, definitely want to put emphasis on in uh, this podcast and throughout all our coverage. And back to the Rocket, while well, they conclude the regular season in Syracuse uh, tonight, if Laval loses against Syracuse and Belleville Senators beat the Toronto Marlies, Laval will finish fourth place in the North Division. Any other combination will result in Laval finishing third place. So it's it's one of those odd situations where like a Rocket fan or anything, anybody having anything to do with a Canadian organization is cheering for a Leafs team to win. But it's exactly what needs to get done today for uh, for Laval. Because if Laval finishes fourth place, they will play a best-of-three series prior to the start of uh, round one. And in that scenario, if that happens, Laval will have home ice advantage in the play-in series. And in the play-in series, it would work that game one would be at the opposition's arena, and then the final two games would be played uh, in Laval. If the Rocket, like in terms of odds, like the odds are that can, that the Rocket will likely finish in third place, and if that's the case, game one and game two of the series against the Crunch, actually again, will be next Friday and Saturday. So hockey, playoff hockey is is here for the Laval Rocket. So if you're a Canadiens fan and if you haven't followed the Rocket uh, this season, they're they're going to be in the playoffs. So make sure that you're following us on our AHL dot report, the Press Zone podcast with our, with Rick Stevens and Amy Johnson, uh, myself, Michael. We'll all keep you covered on uh, on the Rockets' uh, playoff run. Hopefully, it's a long playoff run for them because it's also good experience for their young players on uh, on that roster as well. Uh, let's move on now for to the uh, the Trois-Rivières Lions in the ECHL. Game two of that series between the Trois-Rivières Lions and the Newfoundland Growlers was last Saturday. The Lions scored first before the Growlers took over and won 6-2. to two. The series resumed on Tuesday in Trois-Rivières at the Colisée Vidéotron with Newfoundland leading 2 to nothing. Anthony Nellis, he was a hero of that night, scoring a hat-trick as Trois-Rivières won 3-2. Game 4 was on Thursday, 
and Newfoundland control the game, coming up victorious 5-2. to two. So the Growlers right now have a 3-1 to one series lead, and they're going to try to close out the series in Trois-Rivières tonight. So the Lions need to win uh, this game and then head over for a game number six in the Newfoundland on uh, Monday. So make sure, like, I'll have a, a recap of of uh, the Saturday game on Habs Notepad. They'll be published on Monday, including post-game comments from uh, from the coach, uh, Eric Belanger. Another prospect news, Matthias Norlander. He completed his tenure with the Forlanda Indians, and he'll be looking Michael Turin in a roster spot with the Canadians in the fall. Yes, uh, we got to see him a little bit earlier this season. Uh, he's definitely shown that he has the potential to be a really good offensive puck-moving type defenseman. Um, where he struggles a little bit is in his uh, defensive zone, at least uh, when we saw him here playing in the NHL. Uh, he had a very good end to the season uh, with Forlunda in the playoffs. He had uh, six assists through nine games. So Norlander is somebody I personally am excited about monitoring going into next season. I don't know that I'll that he'll be able to make the team out of camp, but uh, I that's a, that's definitely a name that people will want to remember going into next year. And a reminder once again to make sure to read the content over at AHL.report and listen and subscribe to the Prezone podcast with Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, which gets published every Tuesday with the latest news on the Canadians' prospects uh, as well. It's a great podcast to listen to every week. Another uh, hockey news. Uh, since last week's episode, the Canadians announced that a state funeral will be held for Gila Fleur on uh, this Tuesday at 11 a.m. at the Mary Queen of the World Cathedral in uh, Montreal. And prior to the funeral, Gila Fleur will line state at the Bell Centre on May 1st, uh, Sunday, from noon to 8 p.m. and then on Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah, so I'll add that uh, those wishing to send their condolences uh, to Guy Lafleur's family, they can do so online at Quebec uh, Register and also on the Canadian's digital guestbook. And uh, fans wishing to honor Lafleur, uh, I encourage you all to make a donation to the Lafleur Fund at uh, for uh, cancer research at the CHUM Hospital. Uh, that's where Lafleur received his treatment. And, and and fans also can go to the All Habs official fan page as well to to leave your uh, messages as well for uh, Guy Lafleur and uh, and the family. Uh, head equipment manager Pierre Gervais, he's going into I guess semi-retirement after a 35-year career and over 3,000 games with the Montreal Canadiens. And prior to the game against the the Florida Panthers on Friday, there was a team picture taken at center ice, including Bob Gainey, who was the first captain when uh, Gervais had the role, and then also Shea Weber made an appearance. He was at center ice as well, and the entire team, they all took a picture in um, for, in, in memory for Pierre Gervais as a souvenir. Uh, Pierre Gervais will have a new role with the organization. When he was asked post-game last night, said it wasn't really finalized yet but he will remain in some kind of capacity with uh, the Canadians. And he spoke after the game, and he was really happy. He was in a really good mood. He even had a, a, a glass of champagne, but a, a great career for, uh, for Pierre Chauvet. 
Yeah, Pierre Gervais uh, joined the team as an assistant equipment manager in 1987. He was a member of the Stanley Cup uh, champion winning team in 1993. And on a number of occasions, he joined Team Canada at the Olympics as an equipment manager. So great career for uh, Pierre. Uh, Equipment managers are often the unsung heroes. It's a very difficult job. And uh, what what a career for him. Uh, He was he was at it for a really long time, too. So very impressive. Uh, team service coordinator Alain Gagnon retired after a 20-year career with uh, Montreal Canadiens um, as well. So last night was his final game. Uh, RDS has already reported, has reported that the replacement will be the New York Rangers former coordinator who will be replacing uh, Alain Gagnon. But 20 years, another tenured employee leaving, well, retiring from the organization. Yep, uh, Alain Gagnon's nickname is Flower, not to be confused with The Flower, but uh, he was responsible for all logistics related to the team, travel, flights, hotel, meals, uh, practices, per diems, and everything like that. So he had a very difficult job, and uh, congrats on a 20-year career with Montreal. The NHLPA, they published the results of their annual player poll, uh, so this is a, a survey, a poll that's done every year amongst players on very uh, several different categories. Categories sometimes they, they switch up from one year to the next. And well, in this year's uh, player poll, there was uh, two Canadians connections on that poll. For the first one is if you need to win one game, who is the goalie you would want on your team? And while Canadians goaltender Carey Price finished second place at 13.9% behind Tampa Bay's Andre Vasilevsky, who was first with uh, 37.4%. Yeah, uh, no pun intended for two Canadians connections, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I completely agree uh, with uh, Price. Uh, it's nice to see him receive some recognition despite missing a large chunk of this season. Um, uh, I think that's that's just uh, it's a good, good accomplishment for him to still rank that high. And I agree. I think if I had to pick one goalie, I'm probably thinking Carey Price as well. He just has the ability to go full beast mode in important games and uh, steal the game for his team. And in a second category where the Canadian made an appearance was, well, which NHL arena has the best ice? The Bell Center was first place at 39.6%, and it was even close because second place was Rogers place in Edmonton that finished at 13.7%, so quite the gap between uh, both arenas. Yes, a nice accomplishment uh, for all of those taking care of the ice at the Bell Centre, so big congratulations to everyone involved in that in Montreal. Um, to be honest, being from Ottawa, I'm used to being on the exact opposite end of that and uh, having <laughs> an arena that has the worst ice in the NHL, so uh, it's nice to be on the right side of it. In uh, in other news, Carey Price, he was chosen chosen as a Canadian's nominee for the Bill Maston Memorial Trophy. Uh, The trophy is presented annually to the NHL player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Uh, So each, so there's one player nominated from each team. Uh, The the voting is done by the uh, by writers, the hockey writers. Another notables in that category are Ryan Geslav and uh, Zdeno Chara. 
Yeah, so uh, I've mentioned this a few times, but I think Price has really exemplified uh, dedication and perseverance this season with everything that went down earlier this year and then still making a comeback here uh, late in the season in April to get into some games. Uh, I think that's very impressive. It's very inspirational to me, uh, like without any biases at all. I think Carey Price is legitimately a front runner for this just based on all the perseverance that he's had to, to deal with this season. And well, after last night's game against the Florida Panthers, it was a big party at the Bell Center. We heard the crowd, the crowd chanting. Everybody was happy. 32nd place team got a standing ovation. Uh as well, you know, Canadian scored 10 goals, you know, linked to uh, Guy Lafleur uh, as well. But in, in the middle of that, also, the Canadians announced the winner of the uh, Jacques Beauchamp Molson Trophy, which is voted on by the media covering the Montreal Canadiens. And the award was given to Alexander Romanov. And the trophy is awarded annually to the member of the Canadians who played a dominant role during the regular season without er- earning any particular honor. So, so Michael, I think uh, Romanov was a, is a good choice as well. Like, um, other names that uh, I would have probably put in there was uh, Jake Evans. Uh, so actually, Jake Evans and Samuel Montebo were were the runner-ups, but Jake Evans definitely would have been on my uh, ballot uh, as well. Yeah, Jake Evans for sure. Uh, he's definitely a bit of an unsung hero on the team. Uh, probably the most consistent forward, in my opinion, from the start to the end of the season. I would also throw in uh, a Joel Edmondson, despite the fact that he was injured. Uh, it seemed like even when he was injured, he had a little bit of an impact on the team. So uh, I'd throw Joel Edmondson's name in there too. But uh, you can't go wrong with Alexander Romanov, especially the season that he just had. Uh, 227 hits, uh, 19th uh, in the NHL in hits overall. He's shown that uh, he's developed and grown into a really good NHL caliber defenseman. So really good on him. Uh, I think uh, one of the most consistent defensemen on this team. And uh, obviously he doesn't have, I guess, the offensive stats like maybe a Jeff Petrie, but still a very, very good player. So congratulations to Alexander Romanov on that one. Yeah, and Romanov, I think, has has played developed uh, throughout the season. I think he kept getting better and better and better as the season went on. You know, there was one point, I believe it was in November, when he was a healthy scratch for one game. And then after that, it just seemed like his development just skyrocketed in a positive. It was was a positive trend in the way that he was playing. And now even in the final stretch of the season, especially after Ben Sharat got uh, got traded, his ice time, he was getting more and more responsibilities. And he was, um, I think he, he met up, he, he was able to, like you said, to play well enough to say that, you know, he's a regular NHLer now and we should, there shouldn't be any concerns for him going forward. Yeah, I was definitely hard on Romanov earlier in the season. Uh, I think I'm on my uh, mid-season report card, I gave him a C plus, but uh, he uh, he turned it up from there. I was really impressed with what I saw from him. Well, he was obviously very uh, hurt by your rating. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's exactly why he turned it up. <laughs> All right, it's time to take our first break here on the Canadians uh, Connection. Coming up next in our big topic segment, it was locker room clean-out day today at uh, Brossard. Rick and I will bring you the highlights of what was said in those uh, media availabilities. 
Michael, thanks for stepping in and uh, for and taking Rick's spot for this first segment. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And uh, thank you to Rick Stevens for letting me take over. Uh, have a good rest of your podcast. But first, we're going to have a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Stay with us. This is the Canadian Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team to win, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and over, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, welcome back to Canadian Connection podcast on uh, Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G, and you can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabstry60. And with me, he's back. He's ready for today's episode. Is the president and founder of uh, Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. Uh, you and, and Michael did a great job in the first segment. Uh, and maybe after the third segment, um, I've got some deductions to ask you about. Um, get your advice on <laughs> Yeah, you have to start building your time. So that's an extra expense for you. Uh, Just a reminder, you can follow Rick on Twitter at uh, AllHabs. And also you can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Canadians Connection podcast on your favorite podcast app. And at the same time, leave a rating, leave a comment, and let everybody know about the Canadians Connection podcast. So it's time now for our big topic. On Friday night, the Canadians, they ended a season. It was uh, quite the season for the Canadians. will be remembered mostly for the wrong reasons. Injuries, pandemic, uh, firings, hirings, uh, records for the wrong reasons, including being the first team in NHL history to finish 32nd place in the NHL. So another historic mark for the Canadians. Maybe that's what they were striving for all along. They wanted to be first at that as well. And the next step for the Canadians uh, earlier today was to clean out their locker room, do their medicals, get ready for the off-season. So they sat down for their exit meetings with um, Martin Saint-Louis, maybe can't, probably can't use us there as well, with the management team. And they also met the media for one last time before they head off for their, uh, for their off-season. So still... Uh, they still had lots to do before they officially call it a season. Uh, the first participant on the podium was Canadian's general manager, Kent Hughes. He 
he went on the podium, discussed several topics, his priorities for uh, for the off season, and as our discussion that goes on through the uh, through this topic, I think uh, like a lot of those conversations that he brought up, uh, what he said will be brought up, and w- one of the big stories uh, heading into uh, the, the entire week leading up to today was the Canadiens captain Shea Weber. There was a lot of uh, criticism that happened from you know s- some media members, from some fans as well, about Shea Weber, his presence, about the fact that uh, he was not at the tribute to Gila Fleur last uh, on on Sunday, and then you know when that happens, well then everything from happened in the past year was brought up, like. Uh, all, all things against uh, Shea Weber. Most of it, I would say probably 99% of it was negative. And I was mentioning in the first segment with uh, with Michael, when Pierre Javert was being honored, Shea Weber joined the ice to be part of the center uh, ice picture with uh, Bob Gainey uh, as, as well. And we went to the point where... Uh, some fans in the building booed the captain, Shea Weber. I personally wasn't expecting that to happen as well. But Rick, before you get to react, why don't we hear Kent Hughes when he was asked about uh, Shea Weber today? You know, I, I'm aware that, that Shea's received a lot of criticism and we were away in, in, in Germany for, for some of that and missed Guy's uh, ceremony as well. Um, Shea's situation is complex. There's, there's a number of issues, uh, some of which, given insurance issues, the league, whatever or not, that we're really not at uh, liberty to discuss. Um, Shea's been absent from the team. Shea's injured. You know, since I arrived in January, the understanding was Shea was not playing this season no matter what, that from an injury standpoint, he needed time to recover. I think it's highly unlikely that Shea Weber is going to be physically capable of playing again. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but we've had these conversations about whether we would trade his contract. If we thought he was able to come back and play, we probably wouldn't have had those conversations. Um, as far as Shea being there at the game on Friday, I think the issue and what we were really trying to do is it was intended to be a surprise for Pierre Gervais that that the first, his first captain and last captain were going to attend the game uh, on Friday. And then, you know, the, the plan all along was for that to occur. And then after Guy's passing, uh, Shea extended the trip to be able to, to be at the, uh, the wake and, and funeral as well. So um, I don't know Shea really well, but everybody that I talk to around here and, and around the league say he's... Uh, a heck of a guy, a heck of a leader, and does kind of does things in the shadows. So, uh, you know, t- to me, he's probably getting uh, unfairly criticized at some point. But I, I certainly respect everybody's right to an opinion. Boy, there's lots in there, lots to break down. And 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 yes, in the first segment, I was uh, I was monitoring all of the uh, pr- press uh, conference. Um, all, all of the media availability and, and, uh, so wasn't able to join you and Michael, but, um, I'm able to bring, uh, some of those clips here. And, and this, this clip from, uh, Ken Hughes is a very important one. Um, he answers some questions, um, and, um, and maybe raises some others. 
but the whole issue of, of Shea Weber um, is really unfortunate, and it got way out of hand so that um, some of the media t- took it to the extreme and started criticizing um, uh, uh, Shea Weber, unfa- as, as Kent Hughes says, very unfairly, um, because this isn't something that, that Shea Weber can control. Uh, Shea Weber and uh, the Montreal Canadiens are under intense scrutiny uh, by the NHL regarding the long-term uh, injury reserve uh, designation. Um, and anything that they say, it's one of the reasons why Shea Weber hasn't uh, met uh, the media, is because um, he can't say that he's he won't play again. He can't say that he's retired because that would trigger um, a different uh, outcome than what we have now with all sorts of consequences. Um, so um, Shea Weber wasn't able to um, answer for this. So it allowed people to go off and speculate. And I'm disappointed in Kent Hughes that, um, that he didn't do more to the organization didn't do more to, to deflect the criticism away from uh, Shea Weber, um, because all of these, you know, all of these insurance issues, um, they affect uh, Kent Hughes and the Montreal Canadiens more than they do uh, Shea Weber. Um, but Shea Weber's injured; he's unlikely to play again. Um, and you know, this this uh, ceremony uh, for Pierre Gervais w- was was uh, planned you know, a, a long time in advance. So um, they had this idea to have uh, Pierre's first and last captain, Bob Ganey, Shea Weber, uh, and and wanted it to be a surprise. So they weren't going to announce that, that Shea was coming in. Uh, in addition, Shea was uh, in town to uh, be available for his medical. All the, the, the uh, team have to go through medicals and part of the insurance uh, situation. Um, and, and so, uh, um, and, and then when, when, uh, Guy Lafleur, uh, uh, died and, and that situation happened, um, uh, Shea Weber graciously agreed to extend his trip so that he could attend the funeral. Um, but then all the criticism was there that, that he wasn't there, uh, pregame for the, the short ceremony last Sunday against Boston. Um, as, as Kent Hughes said, well, uh, he wasn't there. Neither was Jeff Gordon. They were off scouting in Germany. So, um, <laughs> be careful about the criticism, uh, solely directed at, at Shea Weber. Um, it, it's the whole situation was unfortunate. Um, Shea Weber is as, as, uh, Kent Hughes said he's known around the league as as uh, an incredible leader, one of the best captains the Canadians have ever had, um, and what he did, uh, what he sacrificed to uh, play in the, the the playoff run that they had last year, uh, shows his dedication, shows his commitment, shows that um, you know he's he's uh, selfless, he's 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 willing to to do anything to uh, help his team and and. Uh, all what happened this past week or so has just been um, unfounded and unfortunate. And even following uh, last night's game against the Panthers, when uh, Pierre Gervais was was speaking to the media and he was asked by Shea Weber, he 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 mentioned the story that Mark Bergevin had called him like at six o'clock 
in the morning to get his feedback on Weber because Gervais had uh, spent some time with him at the at the Olympics. And Gervais said his reaction was, well, you know, send in the paperwork before it's too late, before they change their their minds, <laughs> because that's how impressed he was from uh, by by Shea Weber and the way that he he was, and and he got that impression from. You know, the the time they spent together in the Olympics, it's like a brief moment. It's not like they spent like a whole year. It's what's a couple of weeks that they spent together. And Weber had uh, quite the impression on uh, Pierre Gervais in such a short time. And when when it comes to the the criticism that was made by you know the uh, some media and some fans as well, what I found unfortunate on it is that it happened like it started without people knowing like the entire story like they didn't wait to see you know would Shea Weber go to the funeral what what would happen it's right away a lot of people jump to conclusions as well like uh right away for for what happened and then it just spiraled uh exponentially very quickly yeah. for uh, for that and and you know like you said like he can't speak about his injury because of the insurance so if he can't speak about his injury like you know, what will she ever speak about? You know, what does it talk about besides the the uh, the injury? So, just so, a couple of other um, uh, notes from uh, uh, Ken Hughes's uh, availability uh, of interest um, when talking about a captain. He expects that the Canadians, uh, as he said before, will have a captain uh, next year. Um, he talked about uh, Martin St. Louis saying that um, both sides are interested in having St. Louis back and, and uh, in, in, in his mind, a three-year contract uh, would be ideal, but uh, there's, there's some details to be worked out and, and um, um, that, that uh, they, they expect to, to be worked out. And, and that might happen in the next... Just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, just a few days. Um, he touched on Carey Price and said that both Carey and the team, and, and, uh, and as general manager, he's looking for clarity, and they don't have clarity on his situation uh, right now. Um, they don't know um, if it's something that he will recover from 100%. They don't know if it's something he can play with. Um, they just don't have the answers to those questions. And, and um, he hopes that they're going to have an answer over the next couple of weeks. Um, and I, I guess uh, two other things. Uh, one on Jeff Petrie saying that, um, that the next year the development plan, the, the, the plan is to, to have uh, a, a young uh, group of defensemen. Uh, they would like to, um, you know, if if Petrie is there to to mentor those guys, or maybe they have to bring some in one in to act as in a leadership role as a mentor. Uh, but he, uh, in his mind, if if uh, Jeff Petrie is uh, still wanting a trade, um, and uh, and and Jeff hasn't hasn't uh, isn't a hundred percent on that yet, but he'll honor that. Um, uh, commitment that he made. To, they promised that they would trade him, um, and uh, that should happen over the summer. Last thing I'll say is just about um, uh, Kent Hughes uh, was that he said that when he arrived um, in Montreal and and got the uh, was hired as GM uh, that he got a really nice welcoming message from none other, uh, none other than uh, Guy Lafleur via text. 
Yeah, that's uh, that was definitely a nice uh, a nice gesture, and not knowing when Kent Hughes came in, like we knew that uh, at that time Gilafer was battling with his uh, lung cancer, so he still had the Canadians always an important piece of uh, part of Gilafer's life all the way to uh, to the end. And another thing that I found interesting, Rick, in uh, in Kent Hughes' his comments was uh, he was talking about the development on young players and he, he said that decisions will be made for what are best for the players' development, not necessarily what the Canadians need. So he said that there could be potential of players going back and forth between Laval and Montreal, you know, making give them 10 games and going back to Laval to get a taste of it and for them to see how close or how far they are from being ready uh, to play in the NHL on a full-time basis. And another uh, point that stuck out for me from Kent Hughes is that if, if they end up trading Jeff Petrie during the offseason, that they'll be looking to acquire uh, an experienced defenseman to replace uh, Jeff Petrie. And I think that should be a little bit of a signal to Canadians fans that um, they are... The, in terms of Ken Hughes, he's not looking to compete uh, for a playoffs p- position uh, next year. He's not looking to maximize points next year. He's looking to maximize development. of. Uh, so he's thinking long-term, even when it comes to next year. So um, that, that was just a subtle signal to brace yourself. Uh, this isn't going to be a quick turnaround. It's going to take uh, uh, a few years. And, and that's, that's only right. And, um, uh, so I think they're thinking properly in that they're going to do whatever is necessary. Um, they've got some great young defensemen coming in, and wh- whether it be um, the, the ones we've seen this season or, or Gooley um, or Norlander, or, um, and, and, uh, and it's, it's going to, to depend on how they react uh, to the moves that they make. All right, I think we're, we're ready to move on now to uh, Martin Saint-Louis, who was next in uh, on the podium. His his press availability was pretty short, but I guess uh, when you speak to the media every day, there probably wasn't much left to discuss afterwards. Um, I'd say one thing that stood out to me from uh, Martin Saint-Louis was that he essentially confirmed that all the assistant coaches uh, will be back uh, next uh, next season which is a little bit surprising considering norm, like usually not always but usually when the new head coach comes in they at least bring at least one assistant of uh, their own to come in but it looks like uh, Martin Saint-Louis will be returning with the exact same coaching staff for uh, for next season. And uh, that's it's interesting as you said uh, because well one uh, there was there's another inexperienced guy there uh, like him, uh, that uh, Burroughs is is uh, um, has a lack of experience and has been criticized for uh, the performance of the power play this year, and and some thought there might be a change there. Um, there is still the possibility that um, I'm I'm sure that Luke Richardson might be considered for a head coaching job around the league, and and uh, and and that might be a change. One thing that I that's not going to change is uh, Marty St. Louis has relied heavily on Trevor Latowski. They seem to have a really good chemistry, really good connection, um, and and those two um, uh, will continue to work well um, next year. I think. 
Yeah, and, and I think like I, I could also understand the decision because like as a coaching staff together, like Martin Silvi hasn't gone even like through like a whole full cycle with them, like a full year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they might just be completing the year before they make um, a decision on the coaching staff going forward. Uh Martin Saint-Louis also spoke about what uh, he needs to improve behind the bench. I would say communication. You know, with, there's so many things beyond on the ice, like between the staff, the medical staff, the equipment guys. I think I need to communicate a bit better with them, not hockey related, like just so that I can... Um, help them do their job, um, you know, whether it's schedule. Uh, and I know schedule is always subject to change sometime, but um, um, I think there's a lot of non-hockey-related stuff that uh, that um, I'm, I'm aware of now that I wasn't necessarily aware of when I came in. So um, I feel like I've gotten better the last three months, and I'm going to continue to try to get better to help the, the trainers, the guys that put a lot of hours do their job and, and, and be more efficient. And sometimes maybe I could, if I communicate better with them in terms of what I'm looking for or schedule, uh, it'd be a little smoother for them. One of the things, and getting back to what Kent Hughes said, uh, he said that um, St. Louis came to him and said, um, uh, Kent, uh, there's a lot more to this coaching thing than I ever imagined. And, and yes, uh, being a, a coach at uh, the NHL level is completely different than um, you know, at the minor league uh, level, which uh, is where his experience was based. Um, there's a lot more people involved and the coaching staff, the, the head coach particularly, has to have a finger on the pulse. Um, there's, there's all kinds of information to, to manage, uh, whether it's uh, the medical staff, the training staff, the equipment people coming to you and saying, uh, we need your decision on this. And... Um, uh, now, right now, it, it, interesting in the in the uh, presser that uh, St. Louis said, uh, I consider that non-hockey related. If it's not on the ice, it's not. I think he's going to have to broaden that definition of what's hockey related um, because all those all those little decisions and all those people um, kind of uh, work together. And, and we heard uh, Kent Hughes mentioned it together talking about uh, a whole circle, uh, or, uh, an organization that, that acts in a circular fashion so that uh, everybody is working together and towards the same goal. I think um, Mar- Marty's going to have to kind of broaden uh, his mind and, uh, and then uh, have time for those people and, as he says, communicate better with them so everybody is, uh, has the information uh, and is, is uh, making the right decision and, and all moving in the same direction. It's just you know being tossed into an NHL head coaching position midseason is pretty tough, and I think he's going to have to, you know, the, the, the players are all going to have to have homework over the summer. Well, he's going to have to have homework too to uh, get right up to speed on, on all of the roles and responsibilities of being a head coach in the NHL. Uh, next on the podium was uh, Brendan uh, Gallagher. So Brendan Gallagher reiterated that he wants to still, he loves the Canadians, he wants to be part of the Canadians. But he also mentioned about, uh, he spoke about several injuries that he's had over the, the last couple of seasons. And because of those injuries, and he wants a, a full off-season declined invitation to uh, the World 
uh, championship as well. He knows the numbers weren't up there for him uh, this year, but uh, let's let's hear what uh, he had to say. You know, there's there's different things on different days. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got my medical coming up, so that'll be a long meeting. Uh, <laughs> No, it, it's it's part of it, but it's all stuff that can be taken care of. It just takes a little time, and you got to build your body up. I mean, it, I obviously play a you know a style of game that that involves me, uh, you know, taking a little bit of physicality. But I've always been able to do it before. It's just a matter of, like I said, taking that time to build it back up and and feeling comfortable. Where night after night, you know, I can I can bring it and be the player that I need to be. He there was a, a few laughs in in his media availability. Uh, in talking about a very difficult issue, injuries, and, and um, he said that, you know, his body just didn't hold up uh, this year and, bl- and blamed the, the short off season last year based on the kind of game that he's playing. They asked if it was a groin injury. He said groin and more. Uh, and when asked to, to be specific, he said, well, just everything around the pelvis area. <laughs> um, so uh, there there's a lot of... of uh, medical issues and and rehab issues uh, that he's got to attend to uh, over the, the the course of the summer. Uh, he talked about the 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 benefit that uh, his dad is his trainer, as as we've known. Um, his dad has a plan, and uh, he said he under his dad understands him better than anyone else. And uh, the bonus is that he can uh, do his rehab, he can do his training, and he gets a bit of family time in uh, as well. So um, kind of uh, he he tried to to deal with it, uh, uh, the situation in a a humorous way. Um, The other question he was asked was about uh, leadership. And he said um, uh, that, uh, sure, he's, he's... intends to be a leader but he he said there's many way to many ways to lead and you don't need a c on your chest to do that um he also spoke very highly of of his friend and teammate uh carrie price and he said he's looking forward to seeing what the future brings for price and carrie price's future was definitely a hot topic over uh, you know, I would say the entire year, but especially an in, in increased focus now in the in the final stages of the season. And like you mentioned uh, earlier, when Kent Hughes spoke, you know, he he couldn't confirm that Carey Price's knee is 100%. And what when Carey Price spoke, uh, he said he still had a lot of questions about his health. He had a lot of appointments to make in the summer to all determine his future. He mentioned that uh, there was swelling on his knee even after he started uh, playing. So that definitely is a, is a concern from a, from a health perspective. And he was asked at point blank at uh, one point as, you know, if, he, if he, his condition stayed exactly the same today, would he think that he'd be able to play a full season? And his answer was no, and there was no hesitation that he thinks right now he wouldn't be able to play a full uh, season. And he didn't rule out that another uh, surgery might uh, might be needed. So, so when I heard those words, like I, um, I, I, I would say there's a concern in in regards to Carey Price's health and his ability to return and be the goaltender for uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. But at, at the same time, Carey Price was also asked about his future with the organization. And 
Well, he, he had a response to, to, he spoke about that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been a have my whole life and I feel like it's uh, it's a part of my identity and um, the future is so bright for this team. And, uh, you know, the, the kids that are on this team right now are, you know, spectacular people and they bring a lot of energy and uh, I hope to be a part of that. So, uh, you know, he, 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 Answered that question, um, you talked about um, going elsewhere and and chasing a championship, uh, a Stanley Cup elsewhere, and and he said he can't even fathom uh, playing anywhere else. Uh, as, as he said, uh, being a Hab is part of his identity, and he's kind of excited about the future uh, with uh, the the kids that, uh, as he said, uh, have joined the team and are yet to join the team and, and certainly wants to be a part of that. But right now, um, you know, he said there are, there are aspects of goaltending uh, that uh, are very difficult for him to do uh, right now, given uh, his knee, and you talked about the swelling and, and, um, so uh, that he feels that there's time over over the summer uh, to get another opinion, uh, to find out what exactly is going on there, and and he said everything everything is on the table, whether it's as you said another procedure, whether it's uh, what whatever kind of rehab it is, um, he wants uh, to get this fixed and and uh, and at least an answer, and and you know he's he's as frustrated with the process. Uh, he said, as as uh, everyone. Uh, now, a lot of uh, the media made a big deal of the fact that uh, they said that he was preparing for his last game um, and and had played his last game. And, and many of the rumors uh, from the media overnight were that uh, expect Kerry to uh, announce that he wouldn't be back. And they pointed to the fact that, um, you know, he waved, he waved to his family uh, during the play, he answered that. He said, uh, sorry, I thought the whistle had gone. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, he, they said, oh, you rushed to, uh, to uh, the uh, dressing room to take off your jersey and not give it to a fan, as is, is customary at the, the end of the game. And he said, no, I, I, I didn't. I just went to the dressing room to take some of my equipment off, and I still gave that same jersey. So I wasn't, I wasn't saving it for, you know, the moment or anything. Um, so uh, again, like Shea Weber, things kind of get taken out of, out of context, and people run with them. Um, I think this the the bottom line, whether it was Kent Hughes speaking about this or Carey Price, there's just a lot of questions. And Carey Price, um, he's been a fighter, as he said. He's going to do his best to prepare. He's going to do his best to get all the answers uh, to, to and hopefully play a full season next next year. And Rick, in uh, last week's episode, I had kind of made a prediction, thinking, saying that Carey Price and Jake Allen would be the number one, two, and the, that would be the goalie talent to start the season next year. And after the press conference uh, today, I can't say that I'm confident with um, with my pick f- to to be accurate in September. Hopefully, I'm right. I'm hoping that Carey Price is back as number one goalie, but I'm not as confident as I was when I made that statement uh, last week. Yeah, and that's that's fair. Uh, his well, at least his current backup goalie, Jake Allen. Uh, he also spoke to uh, the media as well. Uh, he spoke as well how frustrating this year was for him because you know because of a couple of injuries that he had that made him miss 
um, a lot of time, but he had uh, lots more to say. So let's hear uh, one of the comments he made. I knew there's no doubt in my mind he was going to come back this year. And so I have the utmost respect for him. And, you know, uh, I want to see him put this jersey on again because that's where he belongs and that's his net. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see him get through this and be on the better side of it all. And I want the best for this whole situation, which the best would be Carey Price back in net here in Montreal Canadiens. So that's what I'm hopeful for. Uh, Jake Allen always seems to say the right thing, and that's why he's beloved uh, by the fans. Um, and so he wants, uh, he wants the best. He's a team guy. He wants the best for Carey Price. But also, uh, having Carey Price back as the number one goaltender is the best for Jake Allen as well. Um, as we've as we've said, uh, Jake Allen, uh, whether it's um, uh, because of, of uh, his mental approach or whether it's because of, of uh, injuries that are starting to crop up, Jake Allen isn't uh, a bona fide number one goaltender anymore. He can't handle that workload, and we saw... Uh, when he was asked to play so many games in a row that um, that his body just broke down. He had the, the groin or hamstring injury, which was different from the early injury that he had earlier in the season and, and wasn't able to finish out the season. Um, so, you know, you mentioned you want to see this, this tandem back in place uh, for the start of uh, the season. Jake Allen agrees with you. He'd love to, to have that tandem back in place uh, for the first game in October. And that's why I think like the the Price Allen tandem is is a good one because everybody knows the role. Like Allen accepts his role. Like that's that's what my role is here. I'm I'm here to be like a backup goalie, not trying to be number one goalie. And I think that's why it um, that's why it has the potential of being a great goaltending tandem of uh, Price and Allen. So now with one of them potentially missing, if Carey Price not ready for September, like we, we don't know yet, Carey Price doesn't know, nobody knows yet, we'll, we'll see if the Canadians make any uh, off-season moves in terms of uh, goaltending. Uh, next on the podium was Canadians defenseman Jeff Petrie, and he, he Jeff Petrie was in the spotlight as well uh, throughout the season, mostly for the wrong reasons. Uh, you know, Kent Hughes several times uh, since he joined uh, the organization said that he'll try to trade Jeff Petrie if he can. And he repeated the same thing in the uh, locker, locker cleanup day. And while Jeff Petrie, he was asked if he's closed the door to the Montreal Canadiens. And he said that he, he hasn't closed the door, that he has to go home. And he, well, he will go home, I should say. He's going to speak to his family. And they can take a lot of things into consideration before making a, uh, a final decision. He says that he still loves the city. They, they signed back then. And, and Rick, it seemed like uh, his experience at the start of the season was mostly the, the play on the ice, not only his play, but the team in general, which kind of made him unhappy with uh, with the club. One of the, the questions he was asked was um, whether he had a personality conflict uh, with uh, Dom Ducharme. And, and he said, not a personal, it wasn't a personal issue, um, but he said the style of play, uh, we kept playing it over and over and over without any adjustments, and it just wasn't working, the results 
uh, spoke for themselves. So he said that he, that he went to Dom and uh, spoke to him and tried to represent uh, the the mood of of the um, of the of the um, locker room and uh, wanted to to make some changes. Um, they they all did, and and uh, Petrie thought he could represent that, and and there was. Uh, there was no interest in making any changes. So um, I, I guess that kind of, he got discouraged and he said that um, that the, the change, the coaching change and the move to uh, St. Louis has been, uh, the style of, of play fits much better with with his game. And um, so his mind is, is a little more open than it was about moving on. And, and as you said, he's not uh, closed the door uh, with the Canadians organization, he talked about how much the family um, loves the city. Um, uh, but he said that, you know, the reason that that they made the decision was about uh, schools and they had liked the school they were in. But uh, with the lockdowns, the, the schools were a problem. Uh, talked about the, uh, the medical situation and his ability and their ability to get um, um, medical attention for their children. And not only that, as we saw uh, with Boyd having some uh, asthma difficulties and having to go into hospital, he talked about the support from his family um, on both sides. Uh, And they wouldn't, wouldn't, weren't able to have that um, in, uh, in Montreal at the time because of, of all the lockdowns. So he said, that's why they made the decision they had. Um, But that, that, you know, they he has to go back and talk with Julie and figure out this balance um, and what would be best uh, for them. And and you know, he he talked about the, the Bell Center being um, when everything's going right, being a place that's second to none to play in in the league. Um, and and he was really quite positive. He sounds uh, he sounds rather torn about uh, the decision that he's going to have to make. Um, but, uh, when he gets back, the first thing on his to-do list is being a dad. And he said, um, that Julie has instructed him that, uh, when you're back, you're back, <laughs> she said. And so he's going to dive in and, and, uh, um, quite happily be the taxi service for the boys, whether it's sports practices or school or, or whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, this, this is... I, it's, it's very difficult. I know he got a lot of criticism, uh, during the year. It's, it's tough, uh, when, when fans, uh, don't recognize that these people have, you know, in addition to what they're doing on the ice, have a whole other life, um, that, that, uh, that they're considering and, and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough and it's been tough for him to be separated, uh, from them all these months. And on the ice, as of late, Jeff Petrie, he, he seemed like his game was getting back to where it was, producing, scored a pair of goals against the Rangers as well. So uh, so I'm sure that's encouraging as well for, for him and his confidence and, you know, to help his decision as well. And I think just to add to that, Chris, one of the things that uh, he said that that helped him was having his regular partner back uh, in Joel Edmondson. And, and uh, he said that Joel came and... And gave him a big hug last night after the game, and and said, uh, um, you know, uh, I I wish we could have played more uh, more time together this this season. And and he really enjoys playing with Edmondson, and and uh, he said they're they're very different styles. They have very different approaches, but they they mesh well, and they have good chemistry, and and um, and that would factor into his decision in coming back as well. 
Uh, next on the podium were Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. It was a dual press conference. Uh, seems the Canadians are starting <laughs> to enjoy the, the duo. It's not the first time. I think it's the third time, if I remember correctly, that uh, once in the playoffs last year, and this was the second time this season that they've appeared together. Seems to be some kind of there seems to be chemistry with them on and off the ice as well. And one of the messages they both said was that they both declined their invitations to participate at the World Championship, both for different reasons. Cole Caulfield, he, he wanted to have a, a nice long summer. They had, there was a short summer last year and, you know, wants to take the opportunity of having a long summer and getting ready for, for next season. And... Uh, Nick Suzuki, it wasn't uh, a surprise when he revealed there was an injury. Like he hasn't, he hadn't practiced for the team for the last little while, and he said that he was suffering with a uh, back injury. His back was was hurting, so he was uh, resting up and not practicing. Helped him uh, play through it, obviously with the assistance of the of the training staff um, as as well. So he'll take the off season as well to to be to get better and be ready for training cap in uh, September. He uh, was the, the only player to, to play in 82 games. And so he went out of his way to, to thank the training staff for, for getting him ready, even though he had these lower back issues to, um, uh, to deal with. He was able to, to play in every single game. And um, that, that I would sometimes uh, forget all the, the, the other people that are involved and, and uh, it was nice for uh, of him to give a stick tap there. Uh, of course, uh, leadership is an issue for next year. Um, Suzuki said, I want to take on a leadership role. Didn't say, you know, uh, what that meant. Uh, but it was Caulfield that said, I, I see um, uh, Suzuki being uh, the next captain, whether he's ready for that role or not. Uh, we'll see what management uh, decides. Uh, and the only thing, other thing I'll add to your comments is they both said uh, that they will be at uh, the funeral for Guy Lafleur and said that uh, many of the players will be there as well. And even for the comment for next week for a captain, even Chris Weidman, when was that on Friday morning or was it earlier in the week? I think it was Friday morning. Yeah. Uh, Chris Weidman also gave his saying that hey, like he sees captain material in, uh, in Nick Suzuki. So there's, so that's one of the storylines. Another thing that, you know, we'll likely find out in September heading into training camp, whether or not the Canadians uh, will name a uh, captain. Uh, at least that's what the intention seems, uh, seems to be by the management team. Next on the podium, uh, Paul Byron, who missed the end of the season with an injury. And uh, one of his comments, Rick, that he made was his left hip will probably never be 100%, but uh, it definitely seems that injuries are creeping up on the Byron. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, his he, We know that he had surgery, and that's what caused him to miss half the season. Um, it's it's un- it's unfortunate and probably frustrating for Paul Byron to uh, hear that it, it'll never be at 100%. Uh, but the, the, the reason he was out for um, the remainder of the season, um, once he came back, was that he said that the right side of his body was compensating for uh, you know, his, the, the left side being uh, his hip being tender. So he suffered a, an injury on the right side of his body uh, this time. 
National podium was uh, Jonathan uh, Joy. So, like, just like all the other injured players, like he had to be part of the medicals for the end of the year, and uh, and he spoke about his uh, surgery that he had to uh, that he underwent. He also spoke about how he feels the the way that uh, Martin Saint Louis coaches the game, like the style of play that he wants the team to play is exactly uh, the perfect uh, style for for Jonathan Joy. We didn't really get the opportunity to see Drew Wang play under Martin Suiz. I think it was, uh, I think it was two or three games that uh, Drew Wang dressed with, uh, with St. Louis as, as coach. Drew Wang has one more year left in his contract, and Drew Wang said that he, he wants to be back, and he's confident that he'll be successful next year. It's, um, yeah, it's tough because um, certainly um, all of the, the fanfare uh, Jonathan Druin hasn't lived up to his potential. And part of the reason is inj- injuries. Uh, just 34 games played this year. Uh, last year, 44 games. The year before, 27 games. Um, you know, with Kent Hughes talking about all the work that he has to do to free up uh, money, um, will will Jonathan Druin, we know he has a uh, one of those so-called bad contracts, will, will uh, Kent Hughes be able to trade him this year or Will they just let him play out that one last year remaining on his contract? And, and you know, Paul Byron's in that same category and and, uh, and Brendan Gallagher, uh, one of those contracts where they're pay- being paid more than, than their value to the team right now, uh, Mike Hoffman, uh, Christian Dvorak. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if Duran's name is in the conversation uh, this summer or whether there'll be other, you know, um, deals to free up money, Jeff Petrie being one uh, where where that takes care of, of, of part of the problem. And the last player that went on the podium was defenseman Alexander Romanov. And uh, like I mentioned first segment, he won the Jacques Pochon uh, trophy as well for the unsung hero for the team. And, well, uh, Romanov said that he's going to stick around in Montreal for uh, during the offseason and uh, maybe partly go down to the United States as as well. But Rick, like Romanov, he, he's, he's had quite the progression this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and playing huge minutes, it's uh, it, certainly under, under St. Louis, uh, he got more time and, and we saw him develop leaps and bounds. Um, a, a great choice uh, for the Beauchamp uh, Award. Um, you guys mentioned uh, Edmondson, you mentioned Jake Evans. Uh, I'll just throw uh, Chris Weidman's name, kind of an unsung hero this this uh, past season as well, uh, and and spent a lot of time mentoring the, the younger players. Um, but Romanoff, absolutely a great choice. He, he loves playing hockey, loves uh, playing uh, in Montreal, and uh, good to hear that he's going to stick around and and uh, in Montreal and uh, and and spend his training time for the most part um, right at home. So there's still lots of work. Well, I would say the real work for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon actually begins today. I think uh, from the time that they were both brought in up to now was was really an evaluation period. But now is the time where they'll time where they take some serious action and prepare the roster for for next season. So the number one priority, like uh, Kent Hughes mentioned, next is the the entry draft coming up in June and uh, July. Sorry, in uh, in Montreal, and it's what like 14 draft picks the Canadians have. 
Like, will they will they use all 14? Will some of them be used or traded, or or who knows what will happen? But right now they have 14 uh, picks on the board. Uh, they'll have RFA's and uh, and unrestricted free agents as well. And it sounded like Kent Hughes mentioned that for RFA's that there has been some conversations with some of them or with some of their agents. So mm-hmm. so that work has um, has begun as well. And and Kent Hughes also did mention that they will be looking to improve their their salary cap situation. And you mentioned a uh, couple of the names like about a minute ago, uh, Rick. Uh, about you know, it sounded like though that Kent Hughes uh, said that kind of Brent Gallagher will be back next year. He kind of hinted that, but you know, anything can uh, anything can happen. But there's like you said, other contracts that. You know, if they could find any takers for them, they will. But uh, Kent Hughes, when he was asked about the amount of changes heading for next season, he, I think he set the bar low. He's saying, I don't know if there'll be that many changes on it, but that they will be looking for um, for cap flexibility. And if they if they trade Jeff Petrie, Rick, I expect, like you said, to bring in experience. So in terms of how much cap relief will that bring, I think that'll be minimal from, from that only one, that one deal. No, that's right. And uh, one of the things that Ken Hughes has maintained um, and and a lesson that he learned from Ron, Ron Hextall was to uh, not sell low and buy high. Um, and he try and trying to trade um, players at their uh, optimum level. And uh, as we know, that doesn't apply to many players uh, this season for the Montreal Canadiens, at least, um, you know, certainly not the ones that are tradable. Um and so it's going to be a, a bit of a challenge in the offseason. He's going to need to to do something to improve his uh, flexibility. Um, he talked about, uh, you know, still uh, he believes uh, he'll be able to trade Shea Weber's contract um, in the offseason and, uh, and the uncertainty of Carey Price's situation, but that LTIR, uh, if that's necessary for um, part of, of next season, will offer them some uh, wiggle room. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think um, uh, with respect to uh, Brendan Gallagher, if someone comes in, and, and that's what Kent Hughes has said, he didn't want to trade uh, Arturi Lekkonen, but uh, Colorado came in and with an offer and blew him away and and, um, and said that's the kind of, of uh, trades he likes to make. Um, and, and we'll see if, if uh, any of those names that I mentioned uh, will be moved uh, in the offseason. But I guess for us... Um, you know, this is this is for fans, for for those of us who cover the the Montreal Canadiens, and for the team itself. This is uh, closing closing a chapter of the book, um, but it immediately uh, launches uh, all of those discussions, all of that work that has to be done uh, for the off season. And uh, as you said earlier, this might be uh, given the state of, of of the season. This might the off season might be more exciting. Uh, than the, the the what we just wit- the eighty two games we just witnessed, uh, so we'll invite all our listeners. Uh, listen, we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're going to be here week to week uh, with the Canadians Connection because uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about and there's going to be a lot for you to uh, to react to. 
Um, so it's it's an exciting time uh, for the Canadians. The draft lottery is coming up uh, in uh, in less than two weeks. Uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, uh, free agency, uh, the, the, the draft itself. And then we'll start talking about how the, uh, the roster is uh, going to be assembled and, and training camp will be here before you know it. Yeah, and I think it's, t- it's time to take our final break now here on uh, the Canadian Connection podcast. But when we come back, like we'll tell you more about all the great content on our different platforms on where you could go to stay connected with what's happening in the Canadians from now until the start of the, the season. So stay with us. You're listening to Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Right, welcome back to episode 189 of the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So there's plenty of content coming up on uh, all the various Rocket Sports platforms. And, well, like I'll, I'll be selfish and start with myself on uh, every Monday morning, Habs Notepads on allhabs.net with uh, all the latest news in the Canadian organization, whether it's the Canadians, uh, the, the Rocket, or the uh, Trois-Rivières Lions, who, like I said, are playing game number five and trying to stay alive uh, tonight. So you'll get all those details uh, Monday morning on allhabs.net. And uh, also, you know, Habs headlines when there's uh, news around the uh, Canadians uh, the rest of the week. 
I should say, no, we're, we're, we're not going to have uh, game previews. We're not going to have game recaps. And we should thank uh, Cole and Sam, uh, our contributors, who um, helped me out with that. And we, we put together all the, the game previews. And, 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 uh, and then I looked after the game recaps. So we'll be switching to uh, more of the Habs headlines. And th- that'll be a short capsule that'll um, get you, um, in addition to Habs Notepad, during the week, uh, any news that you need to know, uh, you'll be seeing uh, that column a little more often. Uh, you can also head over to our uh, to the All Habs YouTube channel, where every Thursday Amy Johnson uh, posts the uh, Habs hockey report. And in this week's episode that just published, an interview with uh, forward Lucas Vedemo of the Laval Rocket. So it, the interview was recorded live while Vedemo was undergoing surgery. No, just joking. <laughs> like, uh, so we the interview was recorded before, but it was a great interview between Amy and Lucas Vedemo, who, by the way, Vedemo's injury uh, was a hamstring surgery that he had earlier this week and is expected to be out for seven months. So he'll miss the start of um, next uh, the start of next season as well. And it's been a season full of injuries for for Vedemo as well. It's tough because he's he showed uh, his his few call ups uh, to the NHL that he's he's playing a much more mature game, much more physical game, um, and uh, you know he would have been under consideration uh, for a roster. Uh, well, at least given an opportunity to compete that uh, compete for a roster spot in uh, training camp. Unfortunately, he won't be there, so his road to getting back to uh, the Canadians is going to be a little tougher, but um, uh, we know that he's uh, a, a very focused player and committed player, and uh, so we hope to see him back 100% after uh, his seven-month recovery. And with the Laval Rocket beginning their playoff run, you know, in a matter of days, like the schedule is not out yet, but the Laval Rocket will be in the playoff run. The, the place to bookmark is the AHL.report for complete coverage with uh, Amy Johnson and myself for the recaps. Michael Spinell, like we mentioned, first segment has also uh, helped out with the game coverage as well. So we have a full Rocket Sports team as well covering the uh, Laval Rocket. And then every Tuesday uh, as well, the Press Zone podcast with uh, Amy Johnson and yourself, Rick, who will also provide coverage of the uh, Laval Rockets playoff run. And uh, this Tuesday, we have a, an AHL hot stove uh, segment with Patrick Williams. And how timely is that, that we'll be able to talk about uh, all of the, uh, the playoff uh, uh, schedule and, and matchups uh, in the AHL, and uh, in particularly focusing on Lavelle Rocket making, as, as the Lavelle Rocket uh, making their first uh, entrance into the AHL playoffs. Yeah, that's for sure, and it should be an exciting playoff run. Like, I'll be there for every home game of uh, the Rocket as well, so that'll be uh, exciting as well. Uh, upcoming dates for uh, the for the Montreal Canadiens, important dates on Tuesday, like we mentioned uh, throughout the podcast, uh, the, the funeral of uh, Guy uh, Lafleur will, will take place. And, you know, at the same time, we'll take the opportunity to remind our listeners and our readers, you know, uh, you could leave your condolences in our official All Habs Facebook page for Gila Fleur and Rick. There's been plenty of uh, messages left there. By uh, 
Yeah, the outpouring is incredible. And that's facebook.com slash allhabs, all one word, allhabs, facebook.com slash allhabs. Uh, there's, there's a few posts on Guy Lafleur, and all of them are just filling up with messages of condolence, uh, of memories of, of when people watched um, Guy play. And, and those messages, of course, are coming primarily from Montreal Canadiens fans, but we notice uh, many of the messages start, listen, I'm, I'm a Bruins fan, listen, I'm a Leafs fan, uh, but I admired him. Or, or on the other, you know, I, I, I despised seeing him uh, play against my team, and that's the greatest compliment. Um, we have all of the, the hockey community turning out to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash allhabs, I'll say it one more time. Uh, please leave your messages there of, of uh, condolence and your memories. Another important date for the Canadians, May 10th, that's when the NHL draft lottery will take place, where the Canadians, they have a 18.5% chance of winning the draft lottery and a 25.5% chance of drafting first overall. So that'll be an exciting time for Canadians fans to see where the team will, uh, will, will draft as well. And... Rick, like there's NHL playoffs going on, and why don't you talk to us about an initiative that we have? We do. Um, we're uh, we're we're hockey fans. We're all hockey fans. Uh, those who listen, those who who cover, um, and uh, while the Canadians won't be in uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, um, we're we're our uh, fantasy uh, commissioner. Uh, Brian Clark uh, is uh, has set up a uh, a bracket challenge, a Stanley Cup playoffs bracket challenge, and uh, you'll be able to uh, participate. So watch our our Twitter, um, uh, the All Habs Twitter account, and we'll be giving you information there about how you can participate in the uh, the Stanley Cup bracket challenge and compete against some of our Rocket Sports contributors. So, Rick, you said the Canadians will make the playoffs this year. So, um, does that mean you think they're going to make them next year? Um, <laughs> no, and I don't think that Ken Hughes <laughs> is planning on it either. Um, but uh, that that's not the focus uh, immediately. It's, as Ken Hughes said, building, uh, building and developing the team and acquiring the players they need for the long run. And, and I'm just fine with that. And I think, I think many of our listeners are fine with that, too. And all that work for next season begins as of today for the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll keep you covered here on the Canadiens Connection podcast. Our next episode will be next Saturday. So Saturday, May 7th, we'll be back for another episode. So don't forget to subscribe to the Canadiens Connection podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share it on social media. Leave a comment. Leave a rating. And tell everybody about our podcast. Rick, thank you very much. It was nice being nice. Nice. Thank you for joining us for segments <laughs> two and three. Uh, you're very welcome, and thanks to Michael for uh, stepping in for uh, the first segment. And uh, we worked together as a team, and and uh, everybody was able to uh, manage the role and and put together a, a, a fabulous podcast for our listeners. And thank you, everybody, for taking the time to listening to Clean's Connection. Thank you for making us uh, your podcast of choice to get informed, entertained, and uh, engaged with the Montreal Canadiens. My name is Chris G. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk again soon. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadian's Connection. 
Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.